Did you know that five minutes of madness can lead to a man hurting the people he loves in his life? I'm your host of Real Men Real Stories, Dean Quirk. I'm a men's health and wellness educator, and I work with men specifically around breaking the addictive patterns of abuse. So in today's episode, we interview David Nugent. David Nugent is an expert in men's behavioral change programs across Australia, and he's based in Melbourne. So in this specific episode, we talk about why certain men's behavioral change programs don't help all abusive men or men that are caught in those self-destructive ways of thinking and acting. So it's my absolute pleasure to have David onto the show today. And just before I started, just to give you a bit of an overview of this specific podcast and what we're, what our aim and achievement is. It's really to, to interview real men that are navigating some of the challenges that, that often men may have a difficulty with, with overcoming. And I know, you know, speaking for myself, it's not always that easy, you know, to put our hand up for help. So by having a, a podcast like this or a platform, we get to hear, hear from real men sharing their lived experience and how they overcome some of the uh, adversity that's coming up in their life, be it through relationships, work, spirituality, all of those types of things. So without further further ado, I will get into today's episode. Hello everyone, welcome to the Toxic Love uh, community. So this is our next in the series of videos where we talk about domestic abuser types. So I'm really excited. We've got Men's Behavioral Change Program expert, David Nugent with us uh, today, where we, we, we will be discussing working with uh, domestic abuser types. And David will be able to give us his uh, expertise and experience as we discuss this particular topic. But just as a quick summary, just to bring everyone up to speed, if you didn't watch the last two videos, um, we spoke about, so my co-author and I, Indira Novich, talked about uh, domestic abuser types and specifically the cobra and the pit bull. And what we learned about the cobra was uh, the cobra basically uses his uh, domestic abuse victim as a goal. So he's manipulative, um, he's very calm and calculated in his demeanor and keeps his uh, victim uh, living in fear. So she's fearful that this particular cobra is going to strike, which is hence the, the cobra name. And then we've got the opposite, opposite of that, which is the pit bull. So the pit bull is is that is that uh, abuser, which uh, very reactive, uh, becomes triggered, and then the victim is the target. So anytime that person gets uh, triggered, they explode into rage, and then the victim becomes their target. So without further ado, I'm really looking at look, uh, looking forward to getting into this conversation with David. And my question to you, David, is is you know, through your experience with working with domestic abusers, you know, over, over the, the long time that you've been uh, running men's behavioral programs, can you tell us 
what it's like with working with different types of men and and just to put it in uh, the umbrella of um, so that we can get an understanding of uh, why does uh, one type of um, program not work for all of these domestic abusers types? Over to you, David. Well, mainly, thanks, Dean. Thanks for the intro. Um, you know, I've been facilitating men's programs for close to 17 years now. I'm probably done. I've, I've got in excess of 4,000 hours of working with men. Um, one of the, the things is that working with men, I find the success is that you've got to build a connection with them so that you empower them that they want to look at change. One of the problems with programs at the moment, I feel, is a lot of them, the government-funded programs are ticking a lot of boxes and it's, it's more or less um, the program kind of specifically looks at um, family violence and then family violence, the word violence also has a, a, a kind of sound or tone to it that a lot of men don't like, or none of us really like actually to be sort of labeled as a violent guy. And when you talk about the pit bull and the cobra, you know, that work was um, done or, you know, it was the research that came from the psychologist Gottman some time back, I think around the, in the seventies, when he was started to, um, he ran some um, research on, on working with couples in relationships that were struggling with the male, um, his anger and his controlling behaviors and the breakdown, the dysfunction in that family. So those two areas came about, um, he labeled them the cobra and the pit bull. Interesting, the cobra, as you mentioned, you know, is is something is very very um, low key and doesn't have. You know, I describe it, and so do many others, that you don't get a heartbeat. A cobra doesn't get a heartbeat. You don't know when it's going to attack. And the pit bull is completely opposite, like a wild dog going. When a wild dog goes off or a pit bull goes off, you can see that it's snarling and drooling and and. You know, you won't go near it, but then in a five minutes, ten minutes, you can go up and pat it, and it's it, it might be okay. Um, similar to men, that some men don't want to connect with a men's program because they don't see themselves as being an aggressive kind of violent guy. Yet, when we work with them and build that connection with them, we start to empower them to look at all the different types of behaviors that they um, hold on to. And interesting enough, and I believe it in a lot of cases that they generally don't connect that with family violence. Mm. They do connect it though with having control or wanting to have control or trying to fulfill this insecurity that they need to hold on to knowing more about where their partner's going, what she's doing, what she's up to. And the coppers are very, very sneaky, very manipulative in their ways of doing this. But, you know, once again, we can't put them both in the same category, you know, say, oh, some men are just coppers and some men are just pit bulls. I find across the board that you can have a blend. The thing is, the, 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 the fearful thing for the work or working in this sector is that when a man starts to lose control or feels like his control is not having the impact that it has had. In other words, his partner is starting to resent him, step away, going, I can't do this anymore. 
then he becomes a little bit more desperate. Then he starts doing things possibly that he's never done before. And that's often when I'll get a phone call and go, look, Dave, um, I've heard about you. I need help from you. I, I said I would never be like my father. And, um, you know, I've, I've, you know, love my wife. And just the other day I lost it completely and I hit her and I've never hit her before. And um, I don't believe in hitting women and I, you know, I, I, I'm ashamed and I need help. And so in this work, when a woman becomes stronger and starts to draw a line in the sand and start to realize that she can't, she needs to pull away, that's when it becomes more dangerous. That's when it becomes dangerous for her. She's at, she's at more risk, but then the, the, the male can also become more desperate. Being engaged in programs such as heavy metal um, always are better than not being engaged in anything at all because then that way the man has got someone to talk to, has got supports in place. And also there's most likely supports on for her as well, checking in with her safety and what what um, who's who's helping her through the process. Well, thanks, David. That's a you know fantastic explanation of uh, the different types. And as you said there, um, there doesn't seem to be one or the other. They tend to be blended. And I really wanted to to highlight um, um, this this phase, this desperate phase, if you like, where um, the the woman, I guess, is is becoming powered and um, she or, or the partner, if you like, and and has made the decision that I'm going to leave. And then suddenly that the abuser becomes really desperate. What, what are the strategies uh, needed? So that, that particular guy has, has, has rung you up, Dave, and, and said, look, uh, I really need help. How do you work with those particular men? And, and what strategies would you share um, that, that um, viewers or, 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 or people listening today would be able to benefit from, from hearing? Well, firstly, to, it's to empower the guy to realise that the behaviours that he, he does own um, are having an impact and often when we're caught up in the cycle of abuse the the cycle is all about himself it's all about things that are not going his way um you know we talk about a period of you know a build-up or a stressful period where things aren't going well and he thinks people are, or others are pressing his buttons um it's looking at how the underlying motive behind all of that and getting him to um, see that it's his insecurities. Um, the other thing that we kind of, you know, if we're going to look at the two categories that we're talking about today, um, a lot of the behaviors connected with the cobra is about coercive control. Mm -hmm. And men don't understand initially that that's a form of violence, it's a form of abuse. And that means things like exerting financial control, you know, having to know where all the money goes. The, the, the thing that us guys are really good at is that we'll sell a story to ourselves and justify why we do it. And it sounds good on the outside, but when we pull it back and get down to un, the, the, the underlying issue of what drives that build up or that, that um, triggers that gets him angry, it comes back to the, the motive is that he's try, having to have control of where money's going because he wants to control her movements. If she's limited in, in spending money, then he, he feels then she's not going to pack up and leave and run away from him. Um, isolating, 
isolating her with friends and contacts. So that that too is is a really common theme for um, cobras to do as well. It's part of that coercive control where um, separating her from her friends. And how do, how do men do that? Well, it's kind of after a while, women start getting tired of the headaches or the arguments that come about when she wants to catch up with her girlfriends and have a coffee with them. Um, there's always some, his mood changes or she wants to go out on a Saturday night with her friends. Um, the argument becomes not worth it. So she starts avoiding her friends. And then before long, she's disconnected from those friends. That can also include, you know, coming up with a great idea of wanting to move into state, um, start all over again, kind of um, message that oh, I've got a job in a state. This will be a great opportunity for us to refresh, start, be like a new start for the family. But when she gets there with and they settle, she soon realizes that her friends are so far away and she's disconnected from her family. And that that's that's another form of isolation. Um, and so there's lots of other things that come in, into play here, you know, in, making insults, insulting her on things that she does that's not good enough. That can include around meals, parenting, how she parents the kids, um, to the point that eventually she starts to believe in herself that she's not good enough and that his moods are because of her and she takes that on board. And, and so this all ties in again and with emotional abuse. And lots of these different behaviours start to blend in with each other. Um, we can also look at um, children, the children get involved, using the children for checking out what mum was doing today or also, you know, sort of belittling mum or talking poorly about mum in, in, um, when, when um, he's got the kids on his own. And all this is adding to building his team against mum, um, which, you know, is um, quite, it's quite complicated. You know, there's a lot more to it, I should say, um, than just calling it family violence or um, he's a perpetrator of family violence. Well, David, uh, look, that's, uh, I think uh, there's a lot of information here that you that you provided here, some really clear warning signs, if you like, for, um, for the for the victim, if you like, to to understand that um, you know these, like you said, you know, starting to try to isolate her from from her friends, moving into state could be a big one, you know, with a with a job, you know, and but disguising it under the story that it's going to be a new start uh, for the family, and before you know it, she moves, and then you know she's disconnected from from her family and friends, and caught more within that that cycle of cycle of abuse. So some really uh, clear warning signs that you can given here david how does the so looking at a, from the side of the the perpetrator or the abuser what are the um i guess the warning signs for them or or, or can they just not uh, see these patterns are they, are they completely ignorant to to this type of behavior no look like I, I don't believe they're ignorant i believe that you know as as you work with them you you kind of can get the conversation to get them to discuss, you know, what's the motive behind it and what's their belief system about holding on to these, these ideas. Some of it comes from, you know, childhood messages that um, around based on inequality that, you know, I'm the man of the house and, you know, what I say goes. And so that's where with programs, 
it takes more time to work through a lot of these deeper issues. One of the things with a lot of programs has, has been that they've only been uh, up to, for some time, they were only sort of around the 10 to 12 week mark of a program to work with men. And ever since I've been in this sector, ever since I went on the journey of change myself some 25 years ago, it's not enough. Men need more. And so with the heavy metal program, we, we offer a 40 week behavior change program and even 40 weeks, we, we find that the men that engage in those 40 weeks want more and often they'll, they'll hang around and keep coming to the program because we keep changing it up and working through some of these deeper issues. Um, the programs change because of the Royal Commission um, with what happened with Rosie Batty's son and the Royal Commission that followed into family violence and then soon government funded programs sort of thought, oh, look, um, the recommendation was a minimum should be 20 weeks. 20 weeks is still not long enough. Um, so working with men is about, you know, not it's about giving them tools and strategies initially to what they think is an anger problem, initially thinking that that explosive short fuse, maybe that pit bull kind of attitude is not healthy and everyone's scared of them. The second one is about, you know, men will often whinge and complain that their partner has become disconnected. And she'll often say to him, you don't listen. And, that, and that's usually true. Men don't listen. We listen to hear what we want to hear. And then we shut the rest out because we don't think it's important. And so over time in the relationship, as we dance the cycle, we dance the moods, family and children and partners start walking on eggshells. And then underneath all those layers, and you don't see this, it's like cancer is resentment and resentment starts to come into the relationship. And normally that's when, well, again, when I think about what triggers a guy to call me, unfortunately, it takes something really bad to happen. And that could be I'm leaving, or there's been a knock on the door from the last explosion where someone's called the police and they've knocked on the door and then they've served an intervention order and asked the man to leave. And that's when he'll go, geez, I really need to do something. Or he comes home and she's not there anymore. And she's saying, you know, she's saying, I can't do this. And that's when a guy will sort of go, I'll do anything that it'll take to get help. And that's when our phone will often ring. Um, and then when we connect and engage the guy and then we start to work through the pattern you can see the light bulb come on and guys will say, I had no idea. So for example, you know, the silent treatment is a form of abuse. And most people would think, how can silence be abusive? But that sulking, uh, withdrawing, having the shits on and she's saying, you know, what's wrong? And, and the guy will respond, no, nothing. I'm just tired. But it's not true. There's a whole lot going on for him and he's just suppressing it and suppressing it. And he pulls away and he shuts down and withdraws. Well, that on its own has a huge impact on everyone else because everyone else is second guessing, you know, what, you know, what's wrong now? Is it something I did? Is it something I said? Oh, you know, he doesn't love me. Um, I'm too fat. Maybe I need to lose some weight. Oh, maybe he's got somebody else. And there's no conversation about any of this. There's just a whole you know, running of thoughts through through everybody else's head, what's wrong with dad or, you know, what's wrong with him now? And that in this work is a form of abuse because it has an emotional impact on everyone else around him. Now, when guys come and 
engage with us and they hear that, they're like, what the, really? Shit, I do that a lot. And then they start to unpack about how I don't know how to talk. I don't know how to put it out there. And so I've learned not to put, I've learned to shut up, but then I can only hold on for it for so long. The next minute I'm this guy, like explosion. It's like, whoa. And then you might see that pit bull come out. And um, so that's part of the work that we have to do too, is eventually getting to good communication because most of us are really poor at it. We're not really good at this communication stuff. Um, often when we work with the guys, they'll talk about, it's like she's attacking me or she's having a go at me. And we take things that our partner says to us as, as something like personal. But when we break it down, at the end of the day, all she is doing is trying to express her thoughts, her feelings. But as men, because we don't like what we hear, we perceive that as either it's wrong or she's having a go at me. Now, why would we think that she's having a go at me? Because part of the problem intertwined in all this is our self-worth, our self-confidence is down here to low as well. It's not up here. And so that why is it like that? Because of all the different messages that we get to be what it's meant to be, what, how to be a male. What is it to be a good man these days? And so we've got these messages from childhood, things like men don't cry, men are hard workers, men don't, you know, um, we have to kind of be tough and then caring at the same time. So we've got all these things that we, we feel that we should live up to. But when we see our partner upset or angry or our kids, are, things aren't working out as supposedly they should, we then project that sense of failure, that sense of I'm not a good man, which comes back to shame. Mm-hmm. Underneath all the layers is this layer of shame where um, I'm not a good enough man. I'm not a good enough father. I'm not a good enough husband. And then we mask it with this abuse and control, thinking that that's going to fix the problem. And all we're doing is burying it and making it worse. Well, David, uh... Thank you so much for sharing. Um, well, I can only say the golden nuggets. I know there will be um, many people watching this or listening to this, um, and, it, and it might be it might be the wife or partner that thinks, "Look, that's that that's my man or my partner right there," um, or it might be the man listening think, "Wow, you know, I've just heard things that I didn't know about." As you were saying about you know the the silence and that being a form of abuse, that might have been that light bulb moment that you talked about so i know people are going to be um in that space now about okay how do i find out more about david and his heavy metal uh, uh group program how, how do they get in contact with you david well the best way is to dial heavy metal group and then put the word anger at just at the end of it just so that you skip all the rock and roll and music stuff that might come up on google um <laughs> And let me take the chance to say that, um, you know, the metal's not, it's got nothing to do, heavy metal's got nothing to do with music. The metal's an acronym for men's education towards anger and life. And um, we work with both the male and the female, um, either in counselling or in in programs. But um, so ideally check the website out at um, www.heavymetalgroup.com.au or just Google search heavy metal group dash anger and, um, my beautiful face will come up on 
and um, you'll get to see a lot of the things that we've done and we're doing. Um, but I guess in summary, you know, if you're walking on eggshells around your partner and you've got to be mindful of, you know, is this a good time to speak or if you, you know, not sure what mood he's in, then there's a really good chance that even though he might not be physically violent, that you're caught up in, in a controlling, abusive relationship. And for the guys, you know yourself, if you... Um, if you're knowing that those moments when you explode aren't right, you know that your partner is distant from you, you know you've hurt them in the things that you've said and done, there's a really good chance that you're, you know, dancing around this, this cycle. And I, all I can say about this cycle that is if, if it's real in your life, then there's the cycle destroys relationships. And while we're, we're talking, while we, we've got... Um, a family together, we can break that cycle. We can do something about it. And I encourage you to put your hand up and get it, get help. And, th and that could be by simply just ringing one of the support services like Men's Line, which is a 24 hours, seven day a week service and, and seeing what, what's in your area or give us a call. Um, I'm happy to talk and chat with you. The beauty about COVID is that it's um, taught us how to um, probably stretch out a little bit further than we would normally because now we run some of our programs are available through Zoom and um, we've got now we've got guys attending our weekly classes from different states of Australia um, on a weekly basis. Wow, thank you, David. Uh, I'd just like to, yeah, just to, just to just express my gratitude and appreciation for you coming in coming on here today and, to, and for sharing your your wealth of knowledge and wisdom which I know uh, will provide so much value for people watching or listening today and uh, we look forward to, to to working with you in the future and, and again just want to acknowledge you for your contributions to the to the book as well toxic love breaking the addictive patterns of abuse so that was great to, to feature your uh, your program in the book as well so thank you thank you for that and uh, we look forward to making uh, uh, more episodes in the in in the future so i just want to say uh, thank you to everyone watching uh listening uh, if you want to get in touch with david i will share all of his information in the link going out with this video or it will be in the in the podcast um credits as well um also as well if you're interested in uh the book toxic love breaking the addictive patterns of abuse please head over to the website toxiclove.com.au or if you want to join and be part of a community, as David just shared there, that one of the most important things is to stay connected uh, to those around you so that you can keep the conversations going so that we can work together towards breaking these cycles of abuse. So thank you, everyone. And I look forward to seeing you in the next video. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us in this episode. It was an absolute pleasure, pleasure having you listen to us on Real Men, Real Stories. I was your host, Dean Quirk. If you want to find out more information on the podcast, Real Men, Real Stories, then you can connect with me via email. My email is info at toxiclove.com.au. Alternatively, if you want to find out more about the Toxic Love community and our book, uh, toxic love, breaking the addictive patterns of domestic abuse, then you can connect with us at our website. Our website is toxiclove.com.au 
or you can connect with us at our community, Toxic Love Community on Facebook. Thank you again, and we hope to see you in the next episode.